Elizabeth Landry is a physician family advocate, certified life coach for physician wives, emergency medicine wife of 20 plus years, mother and founder of The Med Commons, a digital magazine and online community serving physicians, spouses, and partners as they navigate med school, residency, and beyond. Most of her content is for physicians, significant others, but she had a post recently about the six traits doctors need to be a great spouse. So we decided to make this an episode. We discussed that. In addition, we also discussed the sacrifices that our significant others make for us in our careers. Turns out it's not all sunshine and roses being married to a physician. There's some really insightful stuff that we cover here, and I think this is a really important episode. Elizabeth Landry founded the Med Commons to address a significant gap in the area of support for physician families and developed this platform to connect med spouses and partners with each other and resources to build a community of friendship, support, and understanding. Elizabeth partners with various individuals and organizations to drive forward the focus on mental well-being of physicians and their families. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Elizabeth Landry, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Brad. It's great to be here. So tell us, what is the Med Commons origin story? How did you start the blog? Uh, well, you know, um, the Med Commons has uh, really become a culmination of a few life experiences that I've had. Um, I was working, originally when I met my husband, I was working at a Fortune 50 company here in St. Louis, and um, who at the time was in his emergency re- residency, um, in his emergency medicine residency. And um, it was pretty clear from the beginning that if and when we got married, that um, I would need to stay at home with the kids since he would be doing shift work and they'd need some someone with stable hours and some consistency at home. So I understood what I was getting into. Um, I had already had about eight nieces and nephews at the time and family was everything to me. So once we began having kids, I stayed at home. So that was kind of the beginning of my story. Um, fast forward about 17 years and four kids later, (laughs) um, my oldest daughter was thinking about college and my youngest one was becoming a little bit more independent. And so I knew it was about time that I started thinking about, um, working again. And as much as I love my previous job, I knew that I didn't want to go back to nine to five. I still wanted to be there for my kids and their activities. So I couldn't go back and work in an office. So um, I'm a natural problem solver. <laughs> so I became uh, I began trying to find ways to figure out what I wanted to do next because I knew that if I didn't make a plan, then it wouldn't happen, and then I'd be stuck, and all the kids would be gone, and um, I would still be where I was, and I I didn't want that for myself. So what I didn't realize during that 17 years is I started to kind of figure out what I wanted to do is that um, I kind of started playing the support role and less of the main character in my own story. And which I didn't realize until later after I'd been working with physician spouses and things that apparently that's a thing that happens um, with physician spouses. 
just because of their husband's or spouse's job. I mean, I'll say spouses, but I mean spouses, partners, um, people in. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought you meant with reference to your kids, because that that's that's a revelation that I had once I started having kids. Is like, man, I'm not the protagonist in the story anymore. I'm like the protagonist's dad. Like, right. I'm not. I'm not Superman. I'm Pa Kent. Like, uh, I'm, yeah. So <laughs> exactly. I, I, I miss. I misunderstood what you're saying. So no. but probably so the same thing with the kids. Though. And then and then with with the um with the, with significant spouse. So can you flesh that out a little bit? Like what do you what do you mean by not the main character? Yeah, so I mean, your perspective is a great perspective because add on your Superman type character and then add on someone else, add someone else to the story that's also supporting you in your role as a physician plus the um kids and their roles and whatever they need to do and that's sort of how you like fall into the support role is that, um, you know, my life in medicine, my husband's hours were so demanding. He was doing shift work. Um, I don't want to say that it's like being a single mom, but really I couldn't rely on him for any, um, any help with transporting kids. You know, if I signed somebody up for something, then I was bearing all of the responsibility because it, I couldn't rely on him because if he had shift work to do or if, it's not something he didn't have any regular hours that I could rely on him. So, so that's interesting. Your take and how you perceive that is that it's, um, it is, it's a lot of um, support role for the physician to enable physicians to do what they can and how, and well, and then also the support role for the kids. So, so that's, that's a pretty interesting take. So then how does that tie into med commons, right? So that's, I, I think what you're leading yeah. into is that like, is that support role, are you going to dovetail that into like, then I was going to also be supportive of other physician spouses and, you know, yeah. or were you saying like, in realizing that I, you know, decided I had all this knowledge and was going to pour that into the med commons? Yeah. So I think kind of a lot of both, you know, this was a whole process. So, you know, thanks to HGTV, I went through all this process, like maybe I'd rehab houses or <laughs> I love wine and I began studying wine and I was going to become a wine guru and took some certifications. And while I loved it, um, what really led me to the path of the Med Commons is um, I found something called Ikigai. Have you ever heard of it? No. Yeah. So um, if if you've never heard of it, Iki in Japanese means life and Gai um, describes your va value or worth. So your Iki Gai is your life's purpose or your bliss, what you wake up in the morning for, what inspires you to get out of bed, things like that. And there's like a whole method that you follow to find your Iki Gai. But um, essentially where all the parts intersect of these different aspects of Iki Gai is where you find your life purpose. So like who doesn't want to find their life's purpose, right? <laughs> so that's the okay, problem. You don't want to tell that to a bunch of physicians right, or you're right. going to end up with a mass exodus and the healthcare system is yeah. going to collapse. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Guys, don't find your icky guy. Don't, don't right, keep, right. keep seeing patients. Yeah, probably. I think that that would be, uh, I think that would be a tough road to travel right now after all the medical training and everything. So, so yeah, so um, my icky guy really ended up leading me to a path of service. So 
what I love and what I'm really great at doing is encouraging others, um, supporting others, watching them succeed, find their joy, and really being a cheerleader. Um, and like I said before, I'm a natural problem solver. So if I could other, help other people solve their problems and at the same time then be their cheerleader, then I kind of knew that that was my jam. So um, that's when I became a certified coach and got into coaching physician spouses because then I helped them kind of get out of the chaos. People like me who had fallen into the support role and kind of find their thing, you know, just like I did. So that was perfect for me. Um, I could stay at home with the kids still and I could help people at the same time. And that was really a win-win for me. But um, during the process, you know, I um, heard from a ton of resident spouses and partners that really needed help and they couldn't afford coaching. So um, the general themes were, I'm just so lonely. I feel like my spouse is at work all the time. I'm scared to move to a new community. Um, I'm in a new community and no one really understands what it's like. And I'm kind of tired of hearing that it must be nice to be married to a doctor because this kind of really sucks. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't realize that all of this went on because um, I met my husband in residency and then we stayed in my hometown. So I didn't have to move across the country. Um, I didn't have to leave my job, my community, my friends, my family, and then move somewhere with somebody who's going to be gone 80 hours a week or more, you know? So, and to be honest, you know, I'm not really sure that I would have at the time. I was pretty close to my family and I still am, but not really sure that I would have. So, so yeah, so I say all the time that, um, and I'll probably say it a hundred times more that spouses and partners of residents are some of the strongest people that I've ever met. So I guess I knew at the time um, it was time to do something for this group of people that are so strong, like not helpless at all. Um, and much like me, like natural problem solvers, and they're searching for help and guidance in the community and they just can't find it. So um, it kind of began by combining my own experiences as a physician spouse and my background with tech and me experiencing coaching and learning from other physicians spouses and then my desire to help more people in a time of their lives when they really, really did need help. So that's how it started. That's how it all started. Um, I can skip over the development parts and tell you like what's happened since we started, but but that's kind of our origin story. Well, you you started talking about one of the questions that were meant for later in the episode, but let's, let's get right into it. So some, like, like you said, Oh, it must be great to be married to a doctor. All the, you know, people, you get right. the eventual income and some social status, right. That people see. And, but, right. but like, you feel like you might be living in the shadow of the, of the spouse. All right. You, and, or you're like a supportive character or uh, what do they say in video games? And yeah, a non-playable character, non, right? Non-playable character, right? So, so what are what are some of the other negatives that, right? Because this is a physician audience, so we have, uh, you right. know, almost all of them are 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 physicians. Some of them are right. my neighbors that that are kind enough to listen. I'm not sure why, because it doesn't relate <laughs> to what they do. So, thank you for listening. But, um, you know, for most of them, um, they are physicians, so they mm -hmm. might not hear this perspective. And I think it's good for us to hear it, right? So, what are some of right. the negatives of being a physician spouse. Now we're saying it's a non 
physician, physician spouse, right? Because right. physician couples right. are completely totally different. different. And, yeah. and we, we've actually covered that in, um, in, an, in an earlier episode. But for mm-hmm. the physician, non-physician couple, what are some of the other negatives? Yeah. So, you know, we touched on it a little bit before. I think um, one of the first is the stereotype from your friends, families, neighbors, um, that being married to a doctor is the holy grail. You know, um, doctor spouses do a really good job of keeping any complaints or unhappiness inside because of the misperception. You know, they don't want to seem ungrateful for their circumstances. You know, they they are comfortable. They live in a nice house. They, you know, there's on the outside, it doesn't seem there's, there's anything to be ungrateful for. So no one wants to put that out into the world. Um, but when, and when you've been dismissed enough times, I think, um, because of these comments, like at least you're married to a doctor, then you kind of learn to keep quiet. So that part is kind of tough, um, because you really have to find, um, another physician spouse or somebody who as a physician in their family um, that understands what you're going through, if you have anything that you need to talk about. So that's one thing. Um, the other is I'd say that um, we're in relationships where the patient comes first and we will always come second. So um, if you've ever been a patient in need <laughs> of a doctor, then you can appreciate that. Um but it's a tough pill to swallow sometimes, especially when you miss your spouse or you, you know, you have to move for training and you have no family or friends around you. Um, they're gone for 80 plus hours a week and you just really won't need to be them, need them to be there. So that's tough sometimes. Um, and then I'd say finally, um, I think it's really all the sacrifices individually that don't seem like a big deal. Like if you take them individually, they don't seem like a big deal, like doing things alone all the time or being responsible for the majority of the household you know, happenings or moving into a new city and not knowing anyone. Um, but add all those little things together, you know, along with not being able to talk about it and um, have any fr- like understanding of it. And then, um, always coming in second instead of first, um, which, which is a good thing for patients, but, um, it, can it sounds like pretty... it's, it's the incongruity also of the sacrifice. It's like, in a, yeah. it's like, like the, the, the physician is doing all these things for their career, for their patients. Um, and then the spouse has to make all these sacrifices for the physician's spouse but does the physician spouse is maybe making sacrifice for the career and the patients, but not for the spouse. Like, what have you done? What sacrifices have you made for me? You've made all these things, you know, you worked hard, you work late at night, you miss out on sleep, you miss out on kids activities, you miss out on date night for your career and for your patients. But what did you miss out on so that I could do? Right. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. We signed up for it. Right. I mean, I knew what I was getting into when we, so I say I knew what I was getting into, but I don't, yeah, I don't say that I knew exactly what I was getting into, but yeah, you know, it doesn't make it suck any less. So, um, so yeah, it is an incongruity and it's not that, you know, like I said, we're a, we're a pretty brave and strong bunch. So it's not like the woe is me with any of us. Um, we love supporting our spouses and it's part of, you know, I think 
maybe physicians naturally gravitate to someone who can support them like this. And, but it, um, it does after a while. Um, I think all of those things add together, become pretty tiring and um, resentment can kind of set in pretty quickly. Yeah, I've heard that 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 R word that can be the relationship killer, yeah. the resentment. It, it yeah, sneaks it in really there can. and it and it poisons everything. It really does. Um, so then, what would you say to the physicians who work hard all day, right, all shift, overnight shift, daytime shift, whatever, long shift, intense shift, something, mm-hmm. and they get home. And there's still work to be done at home, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they crash. Yeah. And they crash. Not, yeah. and, but not when it's like a one-off phenomenon, right? Like some right. some days are just super hard, and like I get it. But let's say it's like a regular right. phenomenon, regular and it and yeah. it might be someone who has like a pretty intense, like emergency medicine, mm-hmm. pretty intense every shift. I mean, you might have a quiet overnight every so often. But by and large, it's uh, it's it's intense every time. Or or you're doing an outpatient where just like you just you know tons of patients over and over, or, or a big surgery day with a complicated mm-hmm. surgery, and maybe mm-hmm. you know the outcomes are are tenuous because you're dealing with a, a patient population that is pretty sick to begin with. Um, right. So so you know they and either emotionally draining whatever, but it's on mm-hmm. the regular. Mm-hmm. And then they crash, yeah. and they're of no help to the spouse. So what would yeah. you say to that physician? Yeah. So, I mean, first I want to say we get it, you know, what doctors do all day or all night, you know, depending on shift work or, I mean, it's mentally exhausting. You know, I think, I think this is where communication and compromise comes in though. You know, um, they need to let us know how they feel, but we need to also really be okay with letting them know how we feel about it. Then you can come to an agreement, you know, like for example, um, you know, I like to plan. I'm a big planner. Planning's my planning's my jam. So um, I know that my husband, when he comes home from a long day, he doesn't have the capacity to hear my plans right away. Like that's just too much for him. That's overwhelming. He needs to crash. He needs to relax. Um, I need to get it off my chest. So I say something to him like, "Can we talk in the morning? Or can we table this? Or I have some plans. Can we do this?" But once there's an understanding, I think that if there's not an understanding about how you're going to handle it, maybe you relax for 20 minutes or you relax for an hour and I'll make dinner, but you do the dishes or, you know, maybe we take turns helping the kids get a bath or maybe we do this where it's where, you know, the spouse has been home all day or the spouse has also been at work. So the spouse is tired too. Um, But if you don't have communication and compromise, then resentment builds because if they crash too hard, they crash too often, then their spouse will feel like they're being taken advantage of. And that's just not fair. And I'm, I'm going to throw in maybe something needs to change professionally so Absolutely. that it's not happening all the time. Absolutely. Right? Because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. It's not happening in a vacuum. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. You know, I've talked to physician spouses who, um, you know, their, their spouse wasn't getting home from work because they were charting so late. So the deal was they would chart at home after eight at night from eight to nine or however long it took them to chart. 
they would chart that long um, later after they've been with the family. There's been family time, the kids are in bed, and then they do that. So there's compromises to be made at that there too. But yeah, I mean, I agree. There's something happening at work and it's, and it's affecting your personal home life like that, then, you know, that's not good for anyone. And if you are staying at late, uh, late at work charting, you got to check out two of my past episodes where we've talked about charting, how to do it more efficiently. So go check it out. Yeah. Both of the people on those episodes are charting coaches. So if you need extra help, cool. check. Okay. Sorry. Enough plugging. Yeah. My and, and I will say, I'll plug your podcast too. Then I'll say, you know, the spouses listen to those and, and send them off to your off to your spouse and let them hear it. So yes, yes. And actually yeah. to all of your followers, make yeah. sure your spouse listens to my podcast. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you recently had a post and that's mm -hmm. what uh, got us to work together on this yeah. episode. Mm -hmm. um, that was the six traits doctors need to be a great spouse. Cause most mm -hmm. of your posts are for, are for the spouse, right? Yeah. They're yeah. more oriented for the spouse. They're not oriented mm -hmm. to the physician, but this one, mm -hmm. um, you know, spoke to me because it was, because I was the audience. Um, so, yeah. so what are those six traits doctors need to be to be a great spouse? Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. We do talk a lot about um, how, because we're a whole community of physician spouses and partners. We talk a lot about what we can do, but you know, it's not all on us, right? Because um, I think another way to fall in the support role that is if we think that it's our own responsibility to make things run smoothly and we're the only ones that can do it and are responsible for it, then resentment builds and we fall in the support role and that's not good for anybody. So, um, well, what I like to start off um, by talking about when we talk about the traits doctors need to be a great spouse is really two traits together, which is appreciation and gratitude, because it really sets the foundation for a health, healthy relationship. And, you know, who doesn't like to feel um, appreciated and supported and grateful for? So um, what that really means, though, is that, you know, there aren't large sacrifices that are completely obvious, like the sacrifices that physicians make in order to become physicians. You know, we've talked about the little sacrifices that we make. Um, but, um, just showing and talking to, um, your physician spouse about these small sacrifices and how much you appreciate them. And, um, you know, I know that the fact that I stayed at home with the kids has enabled my husband to do other things at home, like hobbies. He's a woodworker. So, um, like hobbies in order to unwind and keep his mind off of what was going on at work. So I bear the brunt of the responsibility for the kids because I know it's good for his wellness and it might help prevent any worsening feelings about burnout um, for him. So I think him showing, showing me appreciation for doing that and acknowledging that I do that um, even just by you know, resetting by when he walks in the door, just so he's in a good mood because he knows I've had a bad day. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him when he gets home from work. Um, and the kids are looking forward to seeing him. So make it a happy entry when you're, go when you're coming home. Um, go ahead. Whittle something for me. If you're going to be <laughs> right, in woodworking, right. whittle right. something for me. Whittle something, right? Exactly. He, that is his love language. He's got he's got quite a few. I have a, quite a few pieces of uh, of furniture in my house because oh, wow. he does. Yeah, he does love doing that. 
Um, so yeah, just be aware of their emotions, let them know how much you appreciate them. And if they're feeling tired or overwhelmed by responsibilities, don't assume that, um, they know how much you care, you know, tell them, show them how much you care because everybody likes to hear that they're appreciated. So verbally, we need to verbally. And then I would also add in the middle of the day, send an email in the middle of the day, send a text in between patients. You're sitting on the toilet and you have your phone in your hand, send a text, send an email. Like there are windows there. I know our shifts are really busy and we're seeing patients back to back. And this patient was late and this patient was added on. This patient needs a call back. This patient needs a refill. But there are these quiet moments every so often during the day and take those, you know, intermittently to send yes. send a, a little love. It goes it goes a long way. And oh my gosh, you're so right. And some flowers. Furniture. <laughs> yeah, that's, those are all fabulous things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I love that idea. That's so great. Um, so oh. yeah, so go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, what uh, what are yeah. what are some other traits? So you know, we talked about communication when we talked about you know coming home and crashing and things like that. So communication is huge. You know, um, doctor, spouses, and partners. They we do a lot of waiting. Um, we do a lot of working around schedules. Um, you may see a lot of frustration for us if there is lack of communication. So just be understanding. Um, are you going to be late for dinner? Shoot them a text. Are you stuck with the patient? Shoot them a text. Um, and I guess that doesn't really only matter when it comes to schedules. You know, we worry a lot about our spouse's mental well-being. Um, you know, with physician suicides rates twice that of the general population. Um, you know, we worry about about them. So we worry about how poor patient outcomes affect our spouses. We worry about long hours. We worry about hard cases. We worry about burnout. We worry about bureaucracy. Um, we worry about how all of this affects our loved ones. So it all adds up and, you know, we see the results at home. I could talk forever about, about that and how... <laughs> how we support, we support our spouses at home. But if we see them feeling this way and we ask about it, then, um, then they hold it in and the doctors, physicians hold it in and it only makes us worry more. Um, okay. So, so you want us to, op- you want us to open up, yeah, right? You do want yeah. us to tell you. Yeah. Okay. We do. Cause I, you know, it's, it's, am I, am I just like vomiting my burdens on you and no. now, you know, weighing you down because sometimes it does feel that way. Like I'm just now, now you've got something on your mind that I, I could have kept to myself and not, you know, yeah. Wage you, you know, I'm with. not, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, we carry, we carry that stress too, but it's a different, like we do worry about you. So it's better to communicate because we can see it happening. We can see it when you're sad. We can see it when you're stressed. We can see it when you're tired. So it's better to communicate that than leave us guessing, you know, um, because we're worried. It's, it's just, it's, it's scary sometimes when you see statistics and, um, you just don't want that to be your spouse or your partner. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I guess that that kind of comes, goes both ways with communication, but, you know, really when you come home, then, listen to understand. So, so, 
after a long day of listening to patients' wants and needs, you know, we we get it. We understand that it may be difficult to sit and hear one more person uh, tell you how they feel. <laughs> um, but but listen, as, I mean, from a physician perspective, as long as you're able to communicate it concisely, because mm. a lot of the oh, frustration. Oh, that's a great perspective. A lot of the frustration that comes with communicating with patients is that, like, they're often very circuitous about their experience mm-hmm. and nebulous about their symptoms. I mean, some of them come in and it's like straight as an arrow and it's like, awesome. I know exactly what you have. I can help you. And some of them, it's like, I, I don't know where this is like. So the hard part is like pulling the information out of them to try and get it in some type of, a, you know. And so if you can come at us with like something a little like straightforward, concrete, and how can I help you? And let's do this. And like, that's great. That's, yeah. We can fix this problem. This, I can fix this problem. Especially yeah. if we had a day of a bunch of people that like, I may not have helped them, or at least I didn't feel right. like often we help right. them more than we realize, but I didn't feel like yeah. I helped them. So if I can help you. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's a great perspective because, you know, sometimes we want to talk too, you know, we haven't been talking right. as an adult all day and <laughs> right. sometimes we just okay. want to Okay. So talk. it's not all problem solving. So, it's not, yeah, okay. It's, okay. Oh, absolutely not. I sometimes By forget that. do not try to solve this. the problem. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we just need to vent. So I think there's probably like some compromise in there. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm also, just going to Also make vent. that clear. Then make yeah. that clear. Make okay, that clear. Like, great. okay, I don't want you to solve my problem. I just, I just need to vent. Yeah. Okay, great. Now I know my job here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. That's great perspective. Yeah, because I mean, actually, you know, a lot of times physicians, spouses and partners feel bad, like even bringing up how they feel because everything just seems menial. When you talk to somebody that's been dealing with life or death all day or like been, you know, healing someone all day and you're like, okay, I treat ear wax really and wanna... nosebleeds. So, you know, <laughs> I'm really treating, you know, doctor, uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> well, if they do actually tell you how they feel, then they've already run it through the test of whether or not they should, you know, and they've already run it through the test in their mind of whether or not they should bring it up to you. So it's important enough that they need you to hear them out. So put your phone down, listen to understand, ask the probing questions for you to better understand, but don't try to solve the problems. Like I said, sometimes just need to vent. Unless that problem is, okay, I can pick them up at soccer tomorrow and then (laughs) right, do it, right, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just get it done. Right. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. Are any other traits that, uh, that doctors need to be a great spouse that we haven't covered yet? Uh, yeah. So, um, there's a couple, um, So this next one is pretty big because if it doesn't happen, um, then this is one way spouses, um, physician spouses and partners can get stuck in playing the support role. Um, And that's really encouragement. So we get busy taking care of everyone else that um, we forget to take care of ourselves. So encourage them to go out and do something fabulous. Take responsibility for household chores, the kids, um, whatever, and tell them to go out with friends encourage them to go learn something they've always wanted to pursue a passion. Um, This will really breathe more life into your relationship um, because you're helping them fuel their happiness and also their confidence. So, and to be clear, it's what they want to do, not what you want them to do. (laughs) Exactly. Not another opportunity to be a controlling spouse. This is like (laughs) figure out what they want to do, not what you want them to want to do. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah. So um, I'd say last but not least is um, show some compassion. So spouses and partners of physicians may have to move away from friends. I didn't have to, but they may have to move away from friends, family, community, um, even careers that they really enjoyed for training or even when physicians are done with training. Um, Sometimes shift work in the ER can be exhausting for the ones that stay at home um, and becomes kind of the default parent, as um, as I would say. Um, so there are plenty of things that aren't being fat that aren't fabulous about being married to a um, to a physician. So just show some compassion. You can tell them you love them. You can tell them you appreciate them all day long. Um, but at the end of the day, try to put yourself in their shoes and understand their perspective um, and really acknowledge where they're coming from. All right. Well, one final question before we wrap up, and this is your opportunity to uh, <laughs> to throw your own physician husband under the bus. So as the spouse of his physician, and my, my wife always gets on me about this. This was actually her question. This was not my question. So, so when your spouse gets sick, what's he like? Uh, What's he like? Do doctors really make bad patients? Dare I ask what your wife says first? Or yeah. do I tell you? Yeah, I... yeah because I don't like I, everybody's. Well, first, I always think everybody's fine. I never think anybody's mm -hmm. anybody's like actually sick. And, mm -hmm. uh, and especially myself, like everything's always nothing except with COVID. It was more like, oh, I'm exhausted. Oh, must be COVID. Oh. I got a runny nose. Oh, it must be COVID. Oh, right. my back hurts. It must be, COVID. you know, like everything became COVID during COVID. But, but otherwise, like, you know, I had a bump on my back for a long time. And, you know, she was like, well, get that checked out. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sure it's nothing. You know, those types, <laughs> everything, I'm sure it's nothing. Um, yeah. So, so that's her perspective. Well, okay. All right. Reality, so, yeah. Actually. Yeah. 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 I guess perception's reality, right? So, um, so yeah, I got, huh. So not to throw him under the bus, but um, when he does get a cold, I will say everyone in the house feels it. But, you know, <laughs> you know, that's just a simple cold. So but that being said, he's much like you. Like he recently had a foot issue and it went months and months without him dealing with it. And he finally went to the specialist and his Achilles was torn. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. So he did follow the doctor's orders on that one. Um, so I guess I truly say that it depends on the situation, but yeah. for some reason those colds hit hard in this house. So, <laughs> so yeah. I had a similar incident where um, I was at a, we were at a part at a neighbor's party outdoors, outdoors, mm -hmm. neighbor's party and talking to one of my neighbors, turns out he's got plantar fasciitis. So I was like, why are you not running in the race? Cause we have an annual Thanksgiving day race mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. It's like, oh, I got plantar fasciitis. Why? That's why I couldn't run in this other race. Like it's, and I was like, I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's why my feet hurt in the morning. That's why I can't run. That's why, like, when I do, when I, when I'm on my bike, like for a while, like, I can't walk for a few days. I've got plantar fasciitis. I hadn't been to the doctor. It took talking to a friend at a party to realize that I had this like that's a, a, foot, a foot disorder that really should be looked after. So, so did you go to the doctor or did you try to do it yourself? No, I did it myself. I texted yeah. one of my friends who's an orthopedic yeah. surgeon. I'm like, what do yeah. I do for plantar plant yeah. fasciitis? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, <laughs> yeah it's, makes it's, sense. I mean, the thing is we have access to all right. these specialists. Like when, right. you know, one of my kids gets poked in the eye, you know, I, I, I text a pediatric ophthalmologist at like an academic center, you know, like it's, it's, right. 
we have the privilege of, of having easy access to a lot of different specialists. So it allows us to, yes. Wait, so patients. you call someone when your kid gets poked in the eye? <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, no, My not poked in the is, eye. It was more right, like... No, I meant like, <laughs> it usually takes like bleeding from the eyes or yes. like, it usually is like something, you know, something far, far worse. Like you said, no, it, you know, my husband thinks no one's ever sick. Yes. So, and That's usually he sees the sickest kids, of the sick every right. day, every day, right. every day. And right. people who are right. not so sick. So exactly. So yes, we are, exactly. we are. Yes. I think we'd get along very well. We should next, I when, when so I'm too. in St. Louis, we should hang out. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be fun. We'd enjoy okay, that. So, so where can people find the Med Commons and where can people find you online if they want to uh, follow you, connect with you? Yeah. So we're on Facebook at the Med Commons, Instagram at the Med Commons. I'm on LinkedIn, the Med Commons, but also Elizabeth Landry on LinkedIn. Um, if somebody needs to get a hold of me or email me, they can email hello at the Med Commons or fill out a contact form at themedcommons.com and we'll get back to them. Fantastic. Elizabeth Great. Landry, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was fun. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.